Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have a great show lined up here for the day. Um, you know, we're going to talk with talk about why stick with stocks in today's markets. Yeah, but they're at all-time highs, right? That's the point. You know, we're getting a lot of questions from mm-hmm. people that are, are that are concerned about where markets are at, and they've, you know, run up nicely here for six months, and they're questioning whether they should be sticking with stocks right now. So we're going to dive into that. There's some interesting, I think, facts that, that people need to consider. Yeah, and we're going to follow up with an article about um, what 10 things retirement-savvy people do differently. So these are 10 items that we that we see out there, and this actually comes from Dave Ramsey. So he, uh, he validates it from our, our perspective, but 10 things that people do a little differently that help them get ahead, help them make the right decisions and uh, retire uh, with success. And so we're going to dive into that as well uh, after this. The secrets of the successful retirees. Exactly. I like it. it. That'll be a good one. Um, By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and uh, Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro, have an MBA in finance, and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We are excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every week, every Friday afternoon, and um, you can get us on iTunes and all over the place. Yeah, you can go to our website as well, Steve, moneymd.net, and we have a link on the right-hand side. It's a podcast link. takes you to a different website. It just has all of the historical podcasts that we have. We have them categorized by topic. I think we have uh, SEC Final Four. Um, the women's championship, um, you know, basketball. No, we don't do that. We, we do talk about those we things occasionally. We do talk about that. We just don't but, have them uh, categorized. By, just yeah. see if you're listening over there. Having said that, yeah, I mean, my hat's off to the, the USC, yeah, you know, they women's good, basketball. It's amazing. but uh, Good run, and we had the Masters this week. We right? have the Masters this week. We can jump right into that. That's right. I mean, first day of the Masters, um, you know, we're recording here on Thursday, and uh, – it's going to be a windy day. It's, it is a windy day today. Very much. It's going to be a challenging day. be interesting to see how those all play out today. I bet there will be some high scores out there. Yes, I bet. You know, it's it's difficult when, when the wind's swirling, you know, 10 to, to 30 miles an hour. And uh, the, the course is difficult enough to play Definitely. without the wind. So it's going to be interesting. It's supposed to be windy um, on Friday. As right, well, and they're supposed right. to calm down going into the weekend. So that'll it'll be an interesting. I love this time of the year. I do too. And you know what I find to be the most challenging when it's windy is putting mm-hmm. on fast greens like this. You're trying to hold yourself steady and make a five foot putt. That's going to be incredibly hard. So my hats off to those guys. Um, be interesting too to see how D, if DJ even yeah, plays. Dustin later Johnson this for those. Yeah. Exactly, Dustin Johnson. Had a little spill down game. the old stair stairwell. That's a shame because his he was at the top of his game. Oh, I know. I, mean, I wonder how bad it is. Yeah, it'll, we'll we'll know later today. I'm sure people out there listening already know the answer to that question. So, anyway, though, enough of golf. We're going to jump right into it here. We're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. This is from a recent survey, and it's a little, little disheartening. Um, half of U.S. workers will not retire until age seventy. And some of them won't retire at all. That's so, sad. That's a pretty late retirement age. It really is. And, and for a lot of people, um, you know, Social Security gets bashed as a system, but it, it is going to be their sole source of income because they have not 
focus. They have not done a, a good job saving money and, and making that a priority. So they have no choice. They, they have to work. Unfortunately, that's a large part of it, I'm sure, is people that simply didn't plan. They don't have a pension anymore because, you know, a lot of companies don't have, offer pensions today. Um, and they're just in a, in a bind and they have to continue working. And we see that. We do see folks that we do counseling with occasionally that are still having to work part time for those reasons. Um, another part of it, though, is kind of a good thing, and that is people are living longer, they're mm-hmm. healthier longer, sure. so they're able to work longer, you know, into retirement. So, so that's a good part of it. Um, but either way, you know, it's an interesting stat, over half, <laughs> age 70 or later. I have a client who's retired and um, doesn't need to work, but he wants to work. And he actually like delivers flowers Does because he? he loves the reaction that he gets when he delivers the flowers. So it's a little extra pocket money, but he doesn't need to because he's done a good yeah. job saving and he has a pension and so forth. But um, some people do enjoy that engagement. You know, I know several retirees that, that work at golf courses. Mm. And I could relate to that because they yeah. get free golf. You yeah, know, right. they can go they could, so they go pick a nice course and they'll work and do the cart thing, you know, and bringing carts out, cleaning carts, whatever, or... And um, just part-time, and then they get to play free golf. So just to keep them busy, and sure. they just like staying, hanging around golf courses. So it's nice to hear about people that do something voluntarily like that, They just that they want to do just right. because they want to stay busy. That's right. So that's neat. All right, we're going to jump into the first topic here, and that is why stick with stocks in today's market. Um, John, you know, I mean, we see people concerned about um, investing new money in the market today. Uh, since it is at new highs, and it has been at kind of new highs or hovering around there for the past six months. And, and there's some valid concerns out there. More markets have done well over the past six months. And people are worried that it's time for another bear market or at least a correction. Of course, we all remember how painful it was back in 2008. And even how discouraging it was last year at the beginning of the year when we saw a 15% pullback in the market at the beginning of the year through about February the 10th. And uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting how some people forget the get forget that, but they still are concerned about you know that happening. And um, but what they forget is how quickly that recovered. Um, it recovered pretty quick, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. But you know, um, you know, there's no shortage of prog- uh, prognosticators out there who say that it's overvalued, even though it, the, the, it's really just barely above the average P.E. ratio for the stock market. And, and then there are those who think that it's going to correct, you know, just because maybe it's approaching summertime again. <laughs> and the yeah. markets, you know, do pull back sometimes <clears throat> in the summer. Um, but they do that all the times a year. People just forget. They kind of remember the summer, you know, uh, sell and go away kind of mm-hmm. philosophy. Um, But if you look at history, history shows us that there are some good reasons to stay with equities and not try to time any kind of correction or the next recovery. And all of this is not to say that we won't have a correction or another bear market anytime soon. No one can predict those, but, you know, there are some good reasons to stick with it. Yeah, and as we've talked about before, Steve, you know, look at history shows that there's on average – um, one correction per year. So corrections when the market's down 10%. So it's normal. That It is very normal. And a bear market almost uh, occurs every three or four years. So, you know, it, it, these things are, are common and they, they've happened historically and they'll happen in the, in the future. Um, but the other piece that 
people really don't recognize is that these corrections, they usually recover fairly quickly, about 107 days on average for the S&P 500. So that's a little bit over three months for a typical recovery from a 10% drop. And that's you know exactly what we saw last year. So uh, again, these corrections happen frequently and they typically recover uh, equally um, quickly. That's That's exactly right. And the good news is, you know, the market valuations are still pretty reasonable when you look at certain valuation measures. I mean, for instance, the average P-E ratio is just over 18 for the S&P 500. You know, that's barely above the long-term average of about 17. And one good earnings season could bring that back down to average. So we're not looking at incredibly high, you know, valuations. And then the price-to-book ratio is about 2.7, you know, and that's compared with over 9 back in 2000 before that bear market. So valuations really are not that far out of line. Um, they're they're just a little bit above average, so they're really not not that discouraging from the valuation standpoint. Um, so I guess one of the questions we get are, you know, are new highs really a selling proxy? Just because the market's a new highs, does that mean that it's it's over for more gains and it's time to to sell and get out? Some people do think so, and we get that implied question all the time. We sit down with a client or somebody, and they ask, you know, can we wait until the market is lower before investing or adding money? Um, And that's a natural inclination, and it's understandable. We always want to get in at a perceived low price. Um, But here's the real question. Does the market have any better chance of going down once it's reached a new high? It certainly seems like it. I mean, after all, you know, that's sort of the definition of a recent high is the market has spent a lot lot more time lower than it is at a high. However, research from DFA, um, Dimensional Fund Advisors, debunks that um, recently. And, you know, it's they debunk the myth rather handily, quite frankly. It shows that out of the last 40 years, markets hit new highs 59 to 72% of the time, and it did it in one-year periods, three-year periods, six-year periods, and and the, well, let me back up. It also did it in one, three, six, or 12-month periods going forward, and so that means that just because it's at new highs, it doesn't change the fact that it's, the, the chances are are way in your favor. Yeah, it's they're continue positive. To make new highs. Yeah, right. I mean, the markets are up three fourths of the time anyway. If you look back at history, exactly. So going forward, you know, just because it's at new highs, it still has a lot better chance of hitting new highs in one, three, six, or twelve month periods going forward. You know, that's really what it means. So despite the fact the markets are going up, there's always a better chance going forward that it's going to continue mm-hmm. to go up rather than turn lower. So the odds are on your side. If you stick with equities, don't try to time the next drop. Despite the higher markets, you're going to most likely have a better return. Yeah, and some people say, well, you know, why not sit out the markets and wait for a pullback? Because we said they they happen fairly routinely, right? Um, and obviously, if we could time the market with any reasonable consistency, uh, then that would make a lot of sense. And I say we as an industry, right? right, right. Um, you know, but I, I'll tell you, you know, study after study that we see shows that no one can time the market with any sort of accuracy. Um, there's a recent study by DFA that shows that only 17 
percent of stock funds were able to beat the market over the past 15 years. 17 percent. Wow, it's pretty low. Uh, yeah, over the last 15 years, and there were only 43 percent that started um, that even made it to that 15-year period. So, if you look at all the mutual funds out there, one of the reasons why people use, you know, advisors is because they they try to try to get good mutual funds and mutual funds that have been around for a long time because the industry statistics are not good. They aren't good. And most of those funds are trying to time the market or mm-hmm. pick individual stocks in some way to beat the market. So it just goes to show you can't predict it long term. You cannot try to time the market. And yeah, I've seen countless people over the past 20 years try to time it um, by going more conservative or pulling out when it's at a perceived high. And what I've seen time and again is that people, when they sell, they tend to buy back in at an even higher price. So you see that, you know, they aren't comfortable getting back in until the economy and the market is doing even better at what, than it was when they jumped out. Um, so the bottom line is that it usually costs them money if they try any form of timing it. I have, I have one client, in fact, that pulled out right before the election and they're still waiting on the market, you know, to drop before they get back in. It's a long way to drop. It's a long way to drop. You know, the only problem is now it has to drop by more than 10% to even reach the level it was six months ago, you know, when they pulled out. So it's unlikely it will. Um, and it's even more unlikely that they will would get back in at the right time if it did drop further. So you have to you have to be careful about trying to time it in any way, shape, or form. So what about the long-term prognosis for the stock market and the economy? Um, Well, we believe that capitalism is what has made our country great economically, and it will continue to drive markets higher in the 21st century. Um, You know, there's only one reason China has begun emerging from third world economy, and, and it's their embrace of capitalism. So when you allow people to prosper from their efforts and take risk, it drives economic activity, and, I mean, it, it helps the market long-term. The market goes up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, what that means is, is companies will continue to produce new products, new technologies, because they get rewarded by higher earnings and, and also, you know, more pay and more wealth. Um, you have to have that huge carrot at, on the end of the stick um, and one that's actually attainable that makes people work hard and take risk. I mean, think about Steve Jobs. Um, you know, he never would have changed our lives with computers and iPhones if he didn't think he would prosper from it. So maybe as he went through it, it, his vision changed. But I guarantee you, starting out, folks like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, um, you know, they have that that desire to, to, to change the world and also, get, you know, make money. That's right. I mean, there's countless examples out there. I mean, new technology has made <clears throat> oil and gas cheap again because investors, you know, invented fracking and horizontal drilling and they were able to make millions of dollars off their inventions i mean new drugs are created every year which saves lives and because pharmaceutical companies are able to make billions off of new drugs that they invest billions in and and probably a dozen years to to uh develop um so there you know there are not many great inventions or life-altering drugs come out of russia you know spain or china <laughs> You know, these places that really haven't embraced capitalism. Um, The good news is that capitalism enables companies to shift gears quickly, find new ways to make money in any economy. And that's why our economy was able to recover quickly 
relatively quickly from the Great Recession, and it's now back growing again at a healthy pace. You know, and that's also why we're optimistic about the future of our economy and the stock market. And the markets adjust quickly to the new realities and new industries spring up, and that makes markets profitable again. So I guess the takeaways here, John, are, I mean, the market rewards long-term investors who don't try to, to avoid the short-term dips. Um, instead, they stay diversified. They stay invested. So you need to avoid the temptation to try to time it. And we still have the greatest system of government and economy in the world, and that will drive opportunities going forward. So focus on your long-term retirement or your retirement plan. Stay well invested, well diversified, and long-term, history says you will prosper from that. So um, Good, good timely uh, topic there. Definitely, definitely. So if you have questions, you can email us about that um, or give us a call. And uh, that leads us up here to our question of the week. The question has to do with taxes. Just paid off my home, so I don't have a mortgage deduction anymore. Kids are out of the house. What are some other ways to save on taxes? And, hmm. you know, there's not there's not a, a whole bunch of them. Um, obviously, retirement plans, saving in, in a tax yep. advantage plans, yep. 401k, 403b. Uh, an HSA is I love a good an place. HSA yeah. contribution. You can put yep. up to sixty-seven fifty yeah, for a family that that protects Comes some right as well. Right off your adjusted gross income. That's right. So um, you can um, also sometimes I see people saving for charities in one year because they're going to have a big income year versus the next year. So you can do some tax planning with um, with you know charitable giving, right? If you will. So um, those are just a couple of ways. There there are probably some smaller ways, but those are the main ways that you can save on taxes. Yeah, in today's world, you know there aren't or there aren't tax credits out there that you can buy, not many of them, and there aren't any worth doing, in my my sincere opinion. We certainly are aware of the ones, you know, the low-income housing credits and junk that are out there, but they're they're mostly junk, okay? Mm-hmm. They don't really, you know, you, you lose money to save money, you know what I mean? Um, but retirement plan contribution is a big one, and HSA contribution, I think, is an incredible opportunity if you have a health, if you have an HSA-qualified policy, health policy um, that comes right off your gross. So there's still time to do that before tax filing time mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't filed your taxes. So those are the main ways. But um, if you have specific questions, yeah, give us a call and um, we can sit down and look closer. And maybe there's some business opportunities if you have a small business or something. So um, great question a week. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is the 10 things retirement savvy people do differently. I like that. I mean, what are the secrets of retirement savvy people? Yeah, this comes from uh, the Dave Ramsey organization. And, you know, Steve, uh, you and I get to kind of lift the, the hood on people's financial, um, you know, their how they have everything structured. And we do see people having healthy nest eggs. And, um, you know, these are some of the things that they did differently. First of all, you know, they're probably not financial wizards um, who hold secret formulas to retiring well. They don't watch the stock market every minute of the day or even maintain complex portfolios. Really, on the contrary, retirement-ready people are usually average, hardworking folks who've made consistent contributions to their saving plans over years. Uh, they're responsible spenders. Um, they're intentional when it comes to saving. And, uh, you know, a lot of them have also used the help of um, a qualified professional along the way as well. So so what does it look like in everyday life? What are the, you know, the real secrets to saving for retirement 
successfully. And we're going to look at a couple of real life habits and characteristics of, of those investors who are winning with their retirement and see how they can also work uh, for you as well. So we'll let you start off with number one here. Yeah, number one is they use their biggest wealth building tool to their financial advantage. So guess what that is? A lot of people think, oh, it's like leveraging my house or something, you know, taking out the home equity loan or, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's your income. Yeah, I mean, smart investors, they take advantage of their biggest wealth building tool, and that's their income. No matter how large or small their household income is, every dollar has a purpose, and they also understand that living debt-free gives them the freedom to do more with their money like invest and plan and save for the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a and that's a great way to look at it. your income is your biggest wealth building tool. Absolutely. Uh, and the second one here on the list is watching small expenses. I mean, retirement savvy people they stick with their monthly budget. They're they're conscious on how much they spend on groceries and dinners and and clothes. And if they run out of their coffee money before payday, they drive past the coffee shop to avoid overspending. If it, even it's just a couple of bucks at stake. So they know that small everyday choices uh, really make a huge difference in the long run. So they they watch the small expenses and that budget word was was in there as well. You got to be able to track that. Um, they also invest 15% of their household income uh, after they've stashed away $1,000 for emergencies and they have three to six months of expenses on hand, smart investors allocate about 15% of their household income to retirement. And by investing that 15%, they're able to make real progress towards a secure retirement um, while they're still working on other financial goals like kids college and and paying off the mortgage so you know 15% it, it is a big number and if you're at 5% now just do 1% or 2% a year and in a couple of years you'll be there yeah and i'll just say i have i've been doing this 21 years i've never seen someone that saved 15% a year and that's including their match and mm-hmm. their plan and yet didn't weren't in great shape when it came time oh, for that's retirement. Right. Now that is, so, if you can sock it away from... Never seen anybody <clears throat> that did that for 10 years or more that wound up a retirement short. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, a good one. The next one here on the list is they don't fund hop. I mean, informed savers, they don't play checkers with their investments. They don't jump from one investment to another in, in, in reaction or anticipation of stock market changes. They understand that mutual funds with a solid history of growth are historically a great investment choice to stick with for the long haul so they're not they're not bouncing around they have some good solid choices that they're putting that 15 percent in and they, they stick stick with it yeah the next one here on the list john is they re, they they seek the advice of a professional you know i kind of liken this to golf because mm-hmm. i liken a lot of things to golf <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean if you want to be a great golfer you know, you got to get a coach, okay? You you got to get somebody that's going to give you some lessons that, you know, looks at your swing on video and tells you, you know, what you need to change. And they need to regularly, you know, check in with their coach and get some corrective actions to get them back on track with their swing. It's the same thing when it comes to investing or with your finances. Wise investors, they know that a qualified professional can make, you know, them a lot more successful. And 
you know, research from Ramsey shows the same thing. It reveals that those who work with a pro are more likely to have six-figure nest eggs. You know, 44% of investors who use a professional have 100000 or more saved for retirement versus just 9% of those who go it alone. So get advice from a professional. There you go. Um, next one here on the list is they have a plan. And they update it as needed. And a lot of times these professionals who we're talking about do retirement plans. We're, we're one of those those uh, organizations who believe in, in doing retirement plans. And people who are good with investing, they know where their money is going and how much it's growing. They keep tab on their investments through annual check-ins uh, with their investment professional. They also meet with their, their pro after big life changes, like maybe a job transition, family move, things like that, so they can adjust that plan and, and do some things differently if they need to. So they have a plan, so that's that's really key. Next one here, I, I really like this one, Steve. If they're married, they work as a team, right? Yep, that's a good one. I mean, couples who are winning with investments are on the same page when it comes to money. They, they work as a team and they win as a team. They decide together on their money goals and how they're going to reach them. And, and a lot of financial uh, financially successful companies aren't just focused on getting ahead. They're also fueled by the mutual desire to be generous. And, and you know, part of that planning process is, you know, it's not all about, you know, money can't buy you happiness per se. Giving it away can. And so being right. generous and having that built into your plan is, is also important. Um, the, the number eight here on the list is they don't borrow from their 401k plans. I mean, this is a big one. It is. Borrowing from your 401k account might seem like a great way to come up with cash for an unexpected expense, but successful long-term investors know a 401k loan comes with risk like potential taxes and penalties if you can't repay the debt. And even worse, the loss of long-term compound growth on the money you borrow can really add up over time. And, and so, you know, smart investors, they had this emergency fund in place to take care of those unexpected expenses and they leave their retirement savings alone to grow over time. So they don't do 401k loans. Yeah. Next one here is they consider long-term care insurance. Um, yeah. Investors with a healthy nest egg, they understand the importance of protecting it by purchasing long-term care insurance. If it fits their situation, I mean, a long-term illness can cost a family hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical expenses, and especially if it requires a lengthy stay in an assisted living or nursing facility. So long-term care insurance will help cover those expenses so you don't end up spending your retirement savings for long-term care. However, I mean, it can be expensive, so you need to shop around and mm -hmm. do the math and see if it makes sense in your, your situation. Yeah, absolutely. The last one here on the list, Steve, is, is they live below their means. Retirement-savvy people live below their means. I mean, you, you'll find that they buy modest houses, they pay cash for vehicles uh, and vacations, and that leaves enough money to stash away for retirement. They don't need the latest and greatest gadgets because they don't care about keeping up with the Joneses. They're content with what they have, and it helps them keep their priorities in check. So, you know, living below your means means you have a budget as well, right? So, exactly. um, so these are, you know, winning with, with money means planning. It doesn't mean stress. So retirement savvy folks are just normal folks. They use a formula for success, uh, good old determination, some financial discipline, and a wise direction from a professional. So, you know, if you want some guidance on your situation or you have some questions about, you know, are you on track for retirement, Contact the money doctors. We'll sit down with you and uh, take a look at your situation and, and, and give you some pointers right off the bat. Absolutely. That's a great list. 
Okay, and that brings us up to our last item, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past, and it's been a little while, but but time in the market is more important than timing the market. So if you think about you know last year, um, uh, 2016, when the markets were down and uh, it was really scary, that turned out to be a really good time to put money into the market. Exactly. And we had some clients that started in January of last year, and their returns from January to January were, were very, very good because they had bought at a low point of the market. So don't try to time the market. It's, it's, one, you know, it's not on the list of retirement-savvy um, you know, habits that Dave Ramsey was talking about. It is the exact opposite. Well, and like we just talked about in the first segment, uh, you know, st- studies show that you can't time it consistently. The odds are always in your favor of the market moving higher. So the key is simply <clears throat> getting your money in, getting it in early, diversifying it, and staying invested for the long term. 17, 17% of professional money managers beat their indexes over 15 years. That means and 83% that, don't. That's right. That's right. And so those are the, the professionals with the most resources and, and data and so forth. And, and generally, you know, 83% fail. And those are folks that are trying to time it. So the key is don't try to time it. Just stay diversified. Stay well invested. So that's a good good fact of the week. What's your prediction? For the uh, Masters? Yeah. yeah, geez. You know, it was definitely going to be Dustin Johnson before this injury. I don't know now. I'm going um, McElroy. You know, are you going McElroy? Yeah, I you am. know, I think Jason Day might, might okay. spring back to the front. All right. Let's go with that. I like it. All right. This brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.